0: Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family Radio. Thank you for joining us as we continue our study in the book of Sirach, the Old Testament book that has the nickname, it's the only book of the Bible that has this nickname, the Church Book, or Ecclesiasticus. And it's a unique book in that it was widely used in the early church, although it's collected a lot of dust in today's church. But in the the early church used Sirach to teach converts how to live as faithful disciples amidst a pagan culture. Now, I'm sure you're running ahead of me. Yes, there's an acute need today where the majority— majority, significant majority of young Catholics who were raised in the church during their childhood and early teen years are totally dropping out of practicing their faith. And not only that, the greater portion of those who are remaining in the church polls tell us support things like abortion, same-sex marriage, and basically many are simply drifting with the downward flow of our Culture. So it's really past time to dust off Siroc because this is the book, the church book that the early church fathers saw was so critical in helping believers coming out of paganism to live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, today we're going to look at something in Siroc chapter one and a couple other places in Siroc but that has a a really encouraging message for parents and grandparents. And here it is. The book of Sirach was initially written in Hebrew by a Jewish scribe by the name of Jesus Ben Sirach. Jesus was a common name, and Ben Sirach, Ben simply means son of, like Benjamin means son of my right hand, Ben Sirach, son of Sirach. And he was an instructor at a Jewish academy, probably in Jerusalem, who wrote down his lectures in manuscript form. It says in Surah 51, chapter 51 and verse 23, again, the author of this book writing about himself says, draw near to me, you who are untaught and lodge in my school. So here was a school a Jewish school focused on wisdom, seeing that this wisdom was key to living a faithful life amidst pagan world, basically, pagan empire. And I'm just thinking today how precious it would be to have Catholic schools utilizing the wisdom of Jesus Ben Sirach. I I just throw it out there. I just Kind of question: How many Catholic schools are using this book? How many even graduates of good Catholic schools and high schools and colleges have ever read this book? It's kind of a good question to ask ourselves. Now, something happened after Jesus ben Sirach wrote down the book that we know of as Sirach. His work in Hebrew got very little circulation until about 70 years later. And then his grandson, recognizing the wisdom of his grandfather, translated the book of Sirach from Hebrew to Greek. Now I know there's some grandparents listening to me and you know, you may think I'm, you know, the world's not seem to be improving by any means having some struggles in my adult children, but uh, you never know what might happen in that third generation. Here, Sirach's grandson recognized the wisdom of grandpa, took the Hebrew manuscripts and translated it into Greek. And if it wasn't for Sirach's grandson, we don't know his name, but if it wasn't for his grandson, I probably wouldn't be sharing the wisdom of Sirach with you today, because Greek was the common language of the Roman Empire, and it was a critical factor in the spreading of the faith in the centuries both before Christ's coming and after his coming. It was due to Alexander the Great and what was called Hellenism, introducing Greek culture and the Greek language enabled the truth of God's revelation to spread through the Roman Empire. And today, if you want something equivalent to what Greek did in the early church, it's English. Uh, This broadcast in podcast form is heard in probably about 100 countries around the world, which is a miracle. Now, all those countries don't have as their primary language as in English, but they understand English and enables the spread of this broadcast just like what Syroch's grandson did, translating the Hebrew into Greek so it could spread and be preserved throughout the Roman Empire. Now, I would like to share with you today one of my favorite all-time verses in Syroch, and I've frequently used this verse in Catholic men's conferences, so, I'll say, not only to the men listening, but to the wives. Generally, wives want to know what in the world are you saying to my husband during those men's conferences? Well, here comes my favorite verse from the book of Sirach, and it's from chapter 30. And it's one that men today really need to hear because one of the keys to family life, fathering, parenting in general is time and time is precious. In many ways, it's worth more than money because money can be recovered if you lose your money in the stock market or whatever, but once time is gone, it's gone, and when you're raising children, if opportunities are missed, they're missed. So we want to focus on Sirach chapter 30 and verse 4, and you know, I have to say, except for me, I've never seen anybody make a poster from any of the verses in Sirach. I've seen Old Testament prophets like Jeremiah posters and New Testament and John 3:16 and everything, but here's one that should be for Father's Day, uh, should be on a mug. And if you make one, let me know, I'd like to see it. Sirach chapter 30 and verse four, the father may die and yet he is not dead for he has left behind one like himself. Now, most men want to make some kind of dent in the world. They want their life to have significance, and I believe this is God-given. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And you might want to make a dent, and maybe through a hobby or a skill that you have, or through building a business, or uh, uh, academics, or sports, or technology. Uh, All these are areas, and it's very valid for a man to want to make a dent in these areas. But you want to be very careful where you put your focus in making your primary dent in life. Because if you think of it Most dents, and by dents, I'm talking about things we focus on, building a business, uh, sports achievement, getting that trophy for something or another, most dents will disappear or rust before you die. Uh, Corporations go into chapter 11 and they're gone, whatever. And what you want to do is put your efforts into making a dent, and that's a metaphor by making a life focus in your family, because everything you do in every other area of life is basically going to be around for your lifetime at best, at very best, whereas what you can convey of yourself can be handed down to your children to be carried on after you're no longer alive. And this verse, the father may die, and yet he is not dead, for he has left behind one like himself, is not only true for the second generation, your children after you, but this actually came true in the fact that it was Jesus spent Sirach's grandson who translated this book into Greek for us so it spread through the Roman Empire and manuscripts were preserved so that we could have it today. So just be careful what you where you put your dent. And I realize there's a lot of competing things and there's a lot of responsibilities in life that demands our focus but we as they say in baseball just keep your eye on the ball because you want to, as a man, as a woman too, but I'm talking to guys particularly today, you want to keep your focus in making your dent in life in something that will go on after you have died. And when you just think about that, that's what this wisdom from Sirach 30 and verse four can be a total life change for you because so many things you want to put your efforts into will really turn to dust or rust or just be extinguished versus what you put into your children can go on and on and on. Now, I want to talk to you about a near miss, and this is one that uh, hits both highly committed religious, Protestant, and Catholic fathers, okay, and... Basically, I'm not on the radio to win a popularity contest. Um, Even though I fall short, my job is to present the truth in as uh, winsome way as possible, but to present truth. And here today, I need to perhaps step on a toe and, and issue a secondary challenge to very religious fathers. Let's take a man deeply committed to his faith, and he has a natural desire to serve God, that is to make a big dent with his faith. And so many men who are highly committed to their faith seek to make a dent somewhere else than in their family. I, uh, I got it being a youth pastor. That was the greatest gift of my life. It truly was because I wouldn't even be sitting here today having a family broadcast, talking about wisdom in family life, and talking about a father making a dent going down generations, because the common thing I saw both as a Protestant pastor and youth pastor and as a Catholic layperson is that it's so easy to get this deep religious motivation and then leave home. And if you really want that faith to make a dent in the world, listen— Jesus Ben Sirach's manuscripts would probably be dust in some desert right now if it wasn't for putting a dent in his family. We don't know what his son was like, but his grandson obviously inherited wisdom from his grandfather. And as a result of that, the dent from Jesus Ben Sirach, even though his manuscripts and his school is gone, we don't have any current record of it other than what I just read to you, The whole world now knows about this. This is now part of the Catholic Bible because of a dent put in the family for the faith. And you think, well, I have to, let's say I have to become a deacon while you have lots of children at home, young children. And don't get me wrong, becoming a deacon is a great thing. It's a great way to make a dent. But if you're working 65 hours a week, and you have very little time after that, and you're going to put a big chunk of that time in your service to the deacon, and meanwhile, you're going to become like Protestant pastor's kids. Do you know what the nickname for Protestant pastor's kids are? PKs. And if you're an evangelical, you know what I'm going to say about PKs. They're invariably the worst kids in the congregation because the father is so consumed with putting his dent somewhere else than his family that they just lose it um, and they go nuts. So I'm going to step on my toes. I can put my dent in launching an apostolate like the Family Life Center, or I can put my dent in going on a speaker circuit every weekend and leaving my family. You got to know where to put your dent so you have a lasting effect. And highly committed, deeply pious Catholic men often put their efforts to make a dent in the world for the faith in the wrong places. I will just leave it there, except to say, Sirach chapter 30 and verse 4, the father may die yet he has he is not dead for he has left behind one like himself now let's talk about how you make a dent in your family and gentlemen listening it's not complicated i'll tell you point blank how you make the greatest dent in this world it's through your children and to make a dent in your children's life, hear this, you need to be around. Because Sirach 30 verse 4 says, the father may die, yet he is not dead, for he is left behind one like himself. Well, that, that, that imitation, which is the essence of Christian discipleships, comes from extensive exposure. And if you're not around, well, who are your kids going to want to be like? Taylor Swift or Britney Spears or Michael Jackson, Lady Gaga, Bruce Jenner. I mean, who do they want to be like? They get exposed, and they start to imitate someone or something, and fathers are the first other person in a child's life. There's a certain sense that mother and child are kind of one, particularly in the early years. But that father is that first other person. He is the person through all of life socialization takes place, and he has a leg up on everything else coming in life. And that's why I realized when you have a child, things get really expensive really quick, and you need to hustle in your work, and you do need to hustle in your work and everything, but yet you got to keep your eyes on the ball, because for your children to be like you, even after you're gone, you're going to have to be around. It's that simple. Part B to being around, okay, I'm not just like lounging around, is that you need to do stuff together, okay? And Personally, I think, uh, you know, entertainment, theme parks are fine and everything. Being from Florida, how can you be against that and whatever? But specifically, what type of stuff do you do with your children through having extensive time because you're being around them, you do stuff together, things like work, which is the entire history of the world, fathers and children work together, and that's kind of like gone in the modern world, but that needs to be recovered in some ways. Recreation, it's not just dropping them off somewhere where they play sports, and again, that's great, but somehow to do these type of things with your children. Uh, I particularly advocate challenging activities, something that raises the adrenaline a little bit. Let your children remember all their life, and my lawyer advises me not to get very specific in my recommendations, but challenging activities and worship, because, Dad, the way you look at God, the way you worship, the way you genuflect, the way you pay attention in Mass, your children will imitate. They will imitate your faithfulness to attending Mass and devotional life and prayer and everything else. Um You just need to do work, recreation, challenging activities, and worship. And then when you die, you're not dead. You've made your dent. You've left behind one like yourself. And maybe it won't entirely develop in the second generation. And then it will be a grandson like Ben Siroc had who takes his grandfather's work and shares it with the entire world. This is really great, okay? Now, I want to share with you something that goes right along with this. It's a prophetic word. Uh, Sirach gives us the wisdom and some prophecy, but primarily wisdom. But in the Old Testament era, there was a time when Israel, just to be blunt, was about to go down the sewer. There was apostasy amongst the Jewish people, the priests in ancient Israel were approving of adultery and men abandoning their wives and children. And God's hammer, because God is a God of justice, and this is not just something in the Old Testament, the new as well, God's hammer was about to pound the daylights out of the nation Israel in judgment, except for one hope. And there would be a prophetic ministry like Elijah's. Elijah was the greatest prophet in Israel. And a prophet doesn't kind of come up with new stuff or just futuristic stuff. A prophet calls the most obvious things in the world, the most obvious truths, but that are neglected and calls people to them. And the one hope for the nation in apostasy of ancient Israel was Malachi chapter 4, Verses 5 and 6. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. Now, you're talking about a prophetic ministry today. You would think, well, the greatest need of America at this point in history would be a prophet to call out a pro-abortion president who claims to be a very faithful Catholic or call out the corrupt media that twists truths and promote lies or calling out educators who want sex education for the youngest of children. Don't get me wrong. All of these things need to be called out but what's the ultimate call when the nation is almost beyond recovery? What's the prophetic call when really all human hope is gone? And we generally don't think in these lines because then we start looking for, you know, predictions online and visions and all this type of thing that people are sharing on the internet, and the prophetic word that would come from God when ancient Israel was beyond all hope and in apostasy, it's the same prophetic word that comes to the United States of America, and it comes to Catholic fathers today, is that I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, and lest I come and smite the land with a curse. So guys, you wanna hear a prophetic word? You don't need to go to some internet site and you don't need to get some special 1995 book on the latest prophecy. Here's the prophetic word. If you're a married man with children at the home, here is your prophetic word. If you are married, then your family, is your primary responsibility. That's it. Now, some guys go a little overboard and say like, well, your family's your only ministry. No, it isn't. That's going overboard, I said, primary. That's where you put your primary dent. There can be a lot of other dents you do, and if you really wanna energize it, how about as a family, Make dents together, like with your faith in other areas of life. That's great, but just don't go overboard and just think it's just for your family because you got to share with others too. That's part of your discipleship training. And if you wanna know how America is gonna be saved, and a lot of people think it's, and don't get me wrong, I will vote, I will encourage you to vote in the next 2022 elections and the 2024 elections, and I will register, I will vote, I will encourage you, I will tell you to vote pro life. But if America is gonna be saved, it's gonna be Sirach 30 and verse four. The father may die, and yet he is not dead, for he has left behind one like himself. Changing a culture is is not an election cycle project. It's something that's transgenerational. It's taking the faith, which is a living faith, and passing it on to your children, and then seeing that sprout in the lives of your grandchildren. And if America's gonna be saved, right along with Sirach 30 and verse four, it'll be Malachi chapter four, verses five and six. And that prophetic word is turning both, and I'm not talking about just pagans turning, I'm talking about Christian fathers, Catholic fathers, turning the hearts to their children, and then it's not fixed to kids first, it fixed to fathers. And if they turn to disciple their children, making that a primary focus in their life, that's your life responsibility, that's your Christian responsibility, that's your high calling. Everything else you probably touch in life, let's just say you like cars, I like cars, but and you can spend a lot of time on cars, but cars rust, okay? <laughs> Eventually, even if you store them in a nice place, they're not gonna last like the faith will last in the hearts of the second, third, and fourth generation. This, this is how the faith works. And we look in the New Testament, it's the same thing. I'm going to be talking about this in the next episode, but Timothy, who was St. Paul's associate, uh, f- responsible for early Catholic churches, it St. Paul said of Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Okay. A faith, your faith, Timothy's faith, the apostolic assistance faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother. Lois. And then your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. This is just like Jesus Ben Sirach, his grandson, giving this wisdom from ancient Israel to the world to the point it became called the church book. And now Timothy, same thing. It was the grandmother. Timothy's faith was in the heart and mind of the grandmother, passed to his mother. Timothy's dad, as far as we know, wasn't a believer. And yet the faith got passed faithfully down. Grandparent to parent to child. That's how the Christian faith works. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 336 of Faith and Family Radio.